talk today a little bit about worship. And I'll ask you the question. This is in a series that we're doing right now. It's tied in with what we were talking about with Daniel, but we're tying this into worship now. How did Daniel worship? Some of the, maybe not specifically Daniel himself, but the culture in which he lived. How did he worship in that culture? And today I want to ask you the question in this message, and that's simply this. What do I worship? What do I worship? We just had a time where we did worship God. And you may think, well, this is church, Pastor Jody, so obviously we're here to worship Jesus. That's easier said than done. Because Israel, a lot of folks in, in the Bible, they said they worshiped God. But God came along and said, no, you don't. They thought, many times they thought what was worship, he would say, um, you bring me the broken-legged lamb, the diseased pigeons. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he said, you bring me the lame, the sick, you're, and you expect me to receive that? I do not receive your offerings. They thought that they were worshiping God, and God said, no, there's, there, are, there are approaches to worship. Like, you just don't say, I'm going to, that's not how it works. That's how American works. I will do, because that's the American thing. I'm, you know, I bootstrap, pick myself up, do my thing. You know, it's America. I build my dream. That's in America only. In the kingdom, it doesn't work like Americans. There is no Bible translation or version from God that says, okay, you're Americans. God bless us. We can be different, you know, do your own. That's not the way it works. The kingdom is the kingdom here, South America, Thailand. It doesn't matter where you're at. The kingdom of God is the same everywhere. And so God has to be approached in worship in the way in which he describes the terms, not in the way that we describe the terms. So the question is, what do I worship? I was in an event a while back, and this place was packed with people, packed with people. I mean, they were, it was so loud. People just were rejoicing. And I mean, it's a couple years back now, but they were rejoicing. I mean, you would would have thought Jesus himself, seriously, you I thought any minute, you would have thought Jesus himself is about to walk through the doorway. Have you ever been somewhere like you're like, oh man, it's just electric. I mean, like people were, it was just so loud. I don't think I've ever heard it so loud anywhere else. I was blown away by the presence that was in this, this, this arena, if you will. And so I captured it a little bit on video, kind of sacrilegious maybe, I don't know. But I captured some of it, and I wanted you to see it so you could experience what everybody else was lifting their voices for. So take a look at this. It's very brief, but take a look. It's not the best camera quality. I did it. Pretty loud group of people, don't you think? How many of you thought when I first described that I was going to tell you about a church service? Isn't it amazing? Now, don't pick because I was there. Okay, so don't pick it. I'm not picking on. I was there. I've been a couple of times. Stadium's cool. It's awesome. I love it. Great deals on some food. Great job, Mr. Blank. Get us some better players or something. Anyway, so it's, it's, it's been a tough couple of years, but that Patriots thing kind of shut us down. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we'll just leave that alone for now. But isn't it amazing how when you go to an arena like that, a football game, soccer game, whatever you pick your sport, doesn't matter. Isn't it amazing how loud it is? Have you ever noticed that? And how when we talk about worship, now I'm referring to this, and I'll take on both sides, because loud doesn't mean it's worship either. You can be loud and it not be worship. 
You can be quiet and it be worship. It's not an either or. It, it could be both and, right? So, but it's amazing how you go to an arena, and I'm sitting there in this arena filled with all these people who are fans, and it was with the Saints, so it was also, it was just one of those, man, huge rivalry. They're screaming, we're screaming. It's so loud. And I thought, how funny it is, though, how Christians talk about being so reserved. But you take that same Christian and put them into an arena. They go crazy. They paint themselves up. Some of them don't even wear shirts. They paint their bodies up. Have you seen weirdo hats, crazy outfits, a cheering going bananas? Right beside us where we were sitting, there was a, this is a new building, but the sewer had a leak. And so it was a sewer pipe. It had a leak right there beside us, two, three seats down. The people on this side were right here. So there was like two seats blocked off. No one wanted to get near it, right? Didn't stop anybody from cheering. That didn't bother them at all. They didn't say, wow. This is terrible. I can't believe, you know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. They worship beside the sewage. I say worship because we can say it's cheering, but come on. Sometimes, is it really? It's, it's, just, an, it's just an illustration. Think about that for a moment. The question is, what do I worship personally? And here's the thing why people do that at stadiums. Here's why we do what we do. Because you and I were created to worship. You may look at me and say, well, I understand, Pastor Joey, but I'm just not one of those loud people. That's okay. It doesn't, I'm not crazy loud either. But it, that's not about the, it's not about the volume. It's about who were, what were you created to do. God created you to worship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's not a matter of if you worship or not. I promise you, you worship something. Because you were created to worship. Therefore, the byproduct of the creation is you're going to worship something. This is why I have no... Uh, Relationship with God is so very important. So watch what Daniel did. This is Daniel 6.10. It says, but when Daniel learned about this law, the law was passed that you can no longer pray to God. When he learned about this law, it had been signed. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed, watch this, three times a day, just as, this is important, as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Prayer is just another form of worship, okay? When you pray, you're in worship. Worship is giving expression to God in, in a various different ways, and I'll talk about it in a moment. But worship is giving expression to God. If there is no expression, there is no worship. Okay? Everybody understand what I'm saying? Y'all cool this morning, right? Time change throwing you off? Come on, get back in. Look in the sink here, okay? You know, it's going to be good. Tomorrow you're going to love tomorrow, okay? Right now it's kind of weird, but tomorrow you're going to love it. If there is no expression, it cannot be worship. I promise you. doesn't mean you have to be super loud, but if there is no expression, it is not worship. You say, I don't understand, Pastor Jody. That's not what I heard. Well, it's possible that you heard wrong. How many have ever heard something wrong before, right? And it was in church, right? Okay. I have told people things that were wrong before in church. Okay, so I know it happens. I'm a pastor. It happens. We make mistakes. But if there's no expression, it is not worship. The problem with Christianity is this a lot of times. And I'm not saying, in, I'm just in generalizing. Here's what we do sometimes we do what Israel did, and so many times we mix our faith. Come on, hang in there with me. We mix our faith with our politics. 
Israel did the same thing. If you read about Israel and the Zealots, when they were in there in the time of the Roman occupation, they were praying for the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was born. They were looking for him, and many of them thought he was going to come and reoccupy and take over and destroy the Roman Empire. That's what they thought he was going to do. He didn't do that. But so many of them thought that's what was going to happen. They organized a big army of people. They were called the rebels, the Zealots, if you will. There are many of them listed in your Bible. One of them was actually called Barabbas. Sounds like a bad dude when he's on the cross, getting supposed to be crucified. He's actually a rebel. Many of the people rejoiced in Barabbas. Why? Now you see why they cheered for him. Who do we want? Well, Jesus isn't going to do anything. I mean, he's going to heal people. He's sweet. He's kind. He loves people. We need a, we need a guy to kick some tail. Free Barabbas. That's why they did it. And so many times, Chris, this is what happens in our culture. Because we think so much about here, we mix our our politics with our religion. And so when something's not going right, you'll see Christians do this so many times, they'll jump on the bandwagon of a cause because they think the cause is in, the deliverance is in the cause. That's not where the deliverance is. A cause is not the deliverance. A creator is the one who delivers. And if we don't worship the creator, worshiping a cause isn't going to bring any deliverance either. Are y'all tracking with me, right? So it happens all the time. This is why Daniel didn't do anything different in his life. See, he was worshiping and praying before the law was passed. Sometimes Christians want to jump on stuff after something's passed and stir it up because like, it ain't right. I'll tell you one thing, it ain't right. If you weren't doing a Bible study before they told you you couldn't have one at work, why are you getting upset now? Now, if you were doing one before work and they said you can't anymore, okay then. That's different because you're not changing your lifestyle. See, we shouldn't deviate and change our lifestyle because they said, now you can't. We should have been already doing it before. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Y'all tracking, right? You get where I'm going? Okay, all right, we good? So Daniel didn't deviate. Daniel was in obedience, not in defiance. I remember in high school, I wasn't serving Jesus at all in high school, okay? And uh, the students that go to this church, they are so wonderful. I'm so proud of y'all. I'm so very proud of you guys. I'm, I'm serious. I want you to know that. Like, and I know you guys, are, y'all are scattered all throughout. I see some of you guys back there and over here and over here and over here. I'm so proud of all of you that are here this morning, and you worship Jesus, and you serve Jesus, and you love Jesus. Because your life, you, you have no idea how much further along you are right now than those of us who waited until they were in their 20s to commit to Christ. You don't have the baggage. You don't have to, you, you just, it's a blessing to see. It's biblical. But this is what I did. So the teacher, and I'm not picking on teachers, but in school, they have to do a course on evolution. Well, this one teacher had me one who said he didn't believe in God and all that kind of stuff. I'm not even serving God. I, listen, I, I wasn't even in the Christian cluster. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even hang out with any of those people. I thought they were weird. I just, you know, I'm just saying that, just being honest. And so when the guy begins to talk about evolution, and he talks about how we came from the, you know, amoeba, algae, and cornflakes, and whatever else that we transitioned from into this, you know, he starts talking about all this stuff, and like, I'm listening to it, and so the Christians are like, no, I mean, there were parents who said, no, my kid is not going to, I mean, it was like an all out, no, and I watched, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. And so I kind of just jumped on the bandwagon, you know what I'm saying, because 
They were doing, I thought, this is cool. They shutting the teacher down. I was like, hey, man, I don't believe in this stuff either. You're really serious. You think we came from frogs? Come on, man. I mean, because because I thought, hey, this is cool. I mean, it's like a bunch of little rebels over here, man. They're parents. I mean, this is awesome. I wasn't a believer. I mean, I would gotten saved when I was a kid, but I wasn't serving Jesus. I did it because why? Somebody changed something. They said you couldn't. I was a rebel with a co- without a cause, man. I'm like, give me a cause. I'm a rebel with you. That's the only reason I did was for that reason right there. How many times do Christians do this? Rebels without a cause. And the moment someone says we can't, oh, let me post that on Facebook. Let me tell you what I think about stuff. But why weren't you talking about it before? If it was so personal to you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's because, look, watch. We're created to worship, and whatever you value the most is what you're going to worship. Zeal, Proverbs says this. Proverbs 19.2, the message says, Ignorant zeal is worthless. Haste makes waste. Hopped up, and there's nothing wrong with being excited at church. I love when people get excited at church, okay? I, I think it's cool. I, I love it. So I'm not picking, this is not referring to our church in general. Listen, though, zeal without knowledge is not a good thing. There's all kind of Christians who are fired up and happy. Whoa, baby, yeah, Jesus is awesome. Till they go through stuff. And then when there's no foundation, there's no knowledge, you don't, they scatter like crazy. Why? Because there's nothing to anchor them when the storms come. Jesus did not say, if you build your house on a rock, there'll be no storms. You'll be fine. Like a beach house down in the Bahamas or something. Baby, you all good. That's not what he said. If you build your house on the rock, then when the, come on everybody, when the, when the storms come, you won't be destroyed. Because why? You have a foundation. You get where I'm going, right? The foundation is everything. You just can't be all, whoo, happy, Jesus, awesome, yeah, and you don't know anything about the Bible. That's why people say weird stuff, because they don't know what the Bible says. They make up weird stories, and there's nothing in the Bible about it, because they have no knowledge. And Hosea says, my people are destroyed because they're not fired up enough. No, 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 no. My people are destroyed for a lack of, come on, a lack of, that's what it is. So faith what God gives you, faith, is this thing that you're not supposed to be just fired up about. It's supposed to anchor our lives. And a huge part of that, it's like a huge part of that is worship. It's worship. It's everything about God. If I were to take one topic in the Bible, if I were to tell you to thumb through and just skim through as you're reading your Bible every day, how many of you guys still doing that, right? March bookmarks are out there. If you're behind, if you're like, man, I got behind, forget about it. Don't worry. Pick up the March bookmarks on the way out and start now. Just pick up where you're at. It's okay. Just pick up where you are now. But if you were to thumb through the Bible and pick out one topic and say, what is the one topic that elevates to the top in the Bible? Most people say, well, it'd be Jesus. Not true. It's not true. Most people say, well, it's redemption. No, not redemption. Because redemption can't happen unless there's something else for redemption. The number one theme throughout Scripture is worship. Is worship. 
Adam and Eve, watch this, they walked with God. What do you think that was? Like a nature trail thing? Oh, look at the blueberries today, Adam. Aren't they great? Well, yes, God, you did a great job today. It wasn't a horticulture expo. It was relationship. And it was worship until something else got in. And watch this. They began to deviate and they worshiped something else. It's all throughout Scripture is worship. Everywhere throughout the Bible is worship. Daniel was praying before the law was passed, not after. Romans 10.2 says, watch this. I know what enthusiasm that they have for God. Talking about Israel without Christ. Talking about the Jews. Talking about those that did not believe in Jesus. They were Jews without Christ. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They were constantly a whole group of people saying, we're going to keep God, we're going to be right with God by keeping the law. And Jesus had already died on the cross He'd been resurrected, and yet they still would not worship him. They kept worshiping in another way, another method, because of their what? Their zeal. You've got to watch out for zeal and no knowledge. At the same time, you can't be all knowledge and no zeal. You can be a born Christian. I mean, every time, like, if you're like, listen, I'm not picking, but seriously, if if you're the kind of person that you just get all edged up and out of sorts because someone misquoted the Bible verse, like if I'm preaching or another pastor, and they accidentally misquoted a script, it happens. If you do public speaking, I promise you, it happens. You, your brain is going here, your mouth goes there. You don't even catch it. Most people, mature believers, will go like, oh, I know what he meant. Oh, he was just talking about Revelation, not Daniel. They get it. They say, oh, and it's not a big deal. Some people get all tore up about it. I've had people tell me, you know you misquoted that? Misquoted what? Like, because I'm sure every week I misquote stuff like that. <laughs> Trust me. I, I misquote stuff. Listen, I misquote stuff when I'm talking to Haley. Like, I don't even, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a normal part of my life. Welcome to my world. You know, I'm like, but they're like fact-based Christians. Everything's got to be You know what I'm saying? You're boring. That's just like, you got to have some zeal. But not all, you got to have both, right? Zeal and knowledge. Here's the thing. If God is not first in our lives, then in our zeal, watch this, we will worship something. I promise you that because we're created to worship. And many people still refuse to accept God's way today. A lot of people do. So we were created for worship, and therefore you will worship something. So let me prove this to you and show you from Scripture. Okay? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, this is the Scriptures that talks about how people, they turned, just like Adam and Eve did, to something else. For ever since, Romans chapter 1 verse 20, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. This is why you see in Native American culture, they worship many times what? When you said out the what? The earth, the sky, the wind. Everything was about, if you ever watch Pocahontas, it's a very descriptive way of seeing they worshiped like the, the sky, the blue. It, it all meant something to them because they didn't understand who God was. Many Indian or background in, 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 in you know, unreached people groups, civilizations, very tribal civilizations still do that today. Or it could be in... You know, other things, witchcraft or whatever, but they, they're trying to worship something. You understand? So it says that they, they've always known this. There's something out there. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not going God. Verse 21. Watch this. Yes, they knew God. 
but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And then they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. Now, I know in America we don't do this. We don't do that here. It's those other countries, right? We keep reading. As a result, their minds what? Became dark and confused. Come on, we're going to be a participation audience today. Verse 22, claiming to be wise. Oh, don't you? I mean, I I would love to state right here, but I don't have the time to get into all this. But they claim to be wise. You know what I'm talking about? They, They claim to be wise. Not everybody that seems so wise in your life doesn't mean that they are. Just because they claim to be smart doesn't mean they're really wise. They might be intellectual, but it does not mean they're spiritual. They claim to be wise. They instead became utter. Now, I didn't say that. Paul said that. Don't go around calling wise people fools if you think that. Just leave it alone. He said that. He goes on to say, and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, watch this, they, because why? They, they didn't worship God. This is the transition down. So because they wouldn't worship God, they got really wise in their own estimation. But God said they became fools. And so what did they do? They built idols. And they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles, the four living things on the earth. And then it said this, 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So these wise people who became fools that transitioned down to idol worship, other things, and went on and got worse and worse and worse, they worshiped and they served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. I know that doesn't happen in America. I get that. I know here no one worships stuff, do they? Right? No one worships stuff. How many know that's not true? I think in America we probably need to be more cautious than any other nation because we have so much. It's easy, isn't it, to get your eyes off what is important onto that which is temporary. It really is. Because humans without God will always find something to worship. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and you know, in Israel, they got to the point to where they did not follow God. It, a golden calf was one of the first stories you read about, right? All this, it goes on into the time of even Christ before that, that they were actually sacrificing their own children to the God of Molech. Israel, they, they, they were, throw their kids into the fire. I mean, some babies, someone had to walk through it. If they walked through it, they lived, they considered the God said that they were accepted. How many, who knows how many tens of thousands of babies were killed through this worship? So that's important. Who you worship and what you worship is so important. Because even those who serve God can get off track. So why then, let me ask you this, why then did God create you to worship? It seems like he's got angels. Have you read about these folks in the Bible? These angels? They're amazing creatures. I mean, they got some weird descriptive, you know, figures and stuff. But, I mean, some have got eyes, some have got this, that, and that. I mean, everywhere in the back. They got wings all over the place, claws, feet. All this, just all descriptive stuff in there, all kind of wild stuff you see. And some of them are descriptive about God, some about angels. There's just some very, I mean, have, have you read about this, right? It's wild. I've never seen one before. I can just read about them. But God has angels that will worship. Why does he need you to worship? 
Like, why would God put this in your DNA? Why would he create you with this desire? It's built within you. You're not going to change this. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your background. A good home life battle. It doesn't matter. Within you is built this desire to worship something. And you will worship something. But why would he do that? Why? What's the point? If you remember a guy that was one of the archangels by the name of Lucifer. Remember this guy? He's what we call the serpent, the devil. That's his name, not the devil. His name was actually Lucifer. And it's a, it sounds very bad now. That name sounds very like, ooh. But it was the name that God gave him, you know. It wasn't a bad name to start with. You know, Lucifer was there. Michael was there. Gabriel was there. Three archangels. There's, there's different ones. You could say there's more. But, but the three primarily ones that you guys hear about, you know about, are Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Pretty much the three you've kind of heard and studied about. If you remember Gabriel, what did Gabriel do? What was his job? Gabriel, he showed up one day unannounced. He's like shows up, you know, kind of like on the scene, man. You know what I'm saying? He, there he is. And who did he appear to? Come on, let's play some Bible trivia. Who did he appear to? Mary. You remember that? Gabriel's there. And what did he say? Mary, you are highly favored. And what did he give her? A proclamation. There's a church in Israel called the Church of the Annunciation. It was the announcement that you're going to have a son. He's going to be a savior. He's going to save the people from their sins. So Gabriel, if you see throughout the Bible, he's the God that brings messengers. He's a messenger angel. He brings a word in the season. That's what he does. What about Michael? You ever read anything about Michael? Michael is kind of like a little different. If Gabriel's in the room, he'd be the guy you want to hang out with. Like he's like Mr. Personality. Hey, Gabriel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Let me encourage you with a word. He's like super encouraged. He's the kind of guy you want to high five, hug, love. Michael's a little different. Michael walks in. No one really talks to him because he's kind of strapped. Like Michael's packing everything. It looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, man, from like Commando or something. He's got, he's got stuff you've never seen before, man. He's just loaded for a bear. And people are just like, they don't know if he's a terrorist. Is he a good guy, bad guy? We don't know. But they, they kind of, let's hang out with Gabriel. He's, he's nice. This guy, we don't, he might shoot you or like blow you up or who knows what he's going to do. He's wild because Michael is a warring angel. He's the guy in the Bible you see about with David. Man, he, he come in to do some business, man. He come to take down the darkness. So you have one guy who, he brings this encouraging word, one guy who brings this warring spirit. And so many times, that's what you see. So often Christianity is those who, well, we want to encourage people, we want to lift people, we want to love people. It's all about the people and we want to be happy for people and just do, that's great. And then we got someone saying, well, we're going to fight the enemy, we're going to go after the enemy. It's just great, it's fantastic. But do you know what's usually absent? It's what Lucifer brought. And what was Lucifer in charge of? And so Lucifer was the one who brought the worship. Do you realize about Lucifer? Let me give you a couple of scriptures about it. Isaiah 14, 12. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, for you have weakened the nations. Obviously, this is the enemy. But you said in your heart, watch this, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. And this is obviously when Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like light. When he said that, kapow, God said, not happening, Jack. He showed up who was really in charge. But watch what he says. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, 
and I will make myself like the Most High. This is obviously who? It's Lucifer. What happened? The thing that God gave him, the thing, the responsibility of the worship that was to elevate God, he allowed to elevate himself. And if you're thinking I'm talking about platform ministry right now, you're missing the whole message. Because everybody in this room was created of what? Is it possible that the temptation that's around us prevents us from elevating the worship that was supposed to be for God and it gets on other stuff? Is it possible that all of us in this room could be just like Lucifer any day of the week? This is not to put down, this is to get a grasp of what I'm saying here. When we come in, what do we do? Well, man, come on, Ronnie, pick up the guitar. Let's get on. Come on, Randy, you pick up the guitar. Come on, Scott, y'all, y'all sing real good, and I'll get into it. Is it their job to create a worshipful spirit in me? They're just leading the charge, man. I'm supposed to carry something with me. Let's keep reading and listen to what I'm talking about here. Isaiah 14, 11, watch this, talking about Lucifer. He said, how... Your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to Sheol, the place of the dead, or hell. It says maggots are spread out on your bed beneath you and worms are covered. That's disgusting. But that's what he gets for being a jerk, you know, and messing with God. It says your pomp and the music of your harps. Watch this. Harps represent what? You ever heard a harp play? What is it? It's strings. I'm going to break down some band stuff for you in a moment, okay? Just, just give me a couple moments, okay? Harps, strings. Listen to this. Ezekiel 28, 13, talking about the enemy. It says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. We'll put it on the screen for you. Obviously, this is talking about the enemy. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise. He had all the infinity stones in the marble universe. You know what I'm saying? He had everything there. It says, the workmanship, watch this, of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. What are timbrels? It's basically percussion instruments. Call them cymbals, call them drums, call them whatever you want to call them, bongos, it doesn't matter. It's some kind of a, keeps up with the rhythm, man. The pipes, what are the pipes? It's wind. If you know anything about band, music, you know, primary, I know, look, musicians are finicky people. I'm one, so I can say this. Musicians are finicky people, right? I mean, if you're a musician, you know what I'm talking about. You're a finicky person, we are finicky people, especially when you play music and stuff like that. So some musicians, they don't like the fact that we talk about there's three categories of music. Right? They will say, well, I think there's a fourth. Well, there's a fifth. Then they want to add something else. Somebody creates some new little musical instrument, and now they've got to get into it. Pretty much, there's three groups of musical instruments that make up an orchestra, a three-piece band, or whatever you want to call it. There's wind, which is somebody singing. There's some kind of a singing going on, right? I mean, if you will, and we'll talk about band. There's some kind of a wind instrument, saxophone, okay? Clarinet. I used to play saxophone for a couple years. You might not believe that. I did. That's pretty good. So play a little saxophone, man. You know what I'm saying? Rock out a little bit of stuff. I want to play jazz band. Didn't want, they didn't want to do that. Want me to march? I wasn't going to put that thing on. That was in my career. I could have been on, you know, who knows what, late night with Jimmy Fallon. Who knows? Anyway, that's old. That's, that's, that's under the, you know, that's old. But there's this, the wind instruments, saxophones, clarinets. You know, you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's trumpets. There's trombones. You push it, wind through it to make it make a sound. There's strings, guitars. Right? I don't know if this thing's on. We'll see. You hear that? It's a string. And then there's percussion, drums and stuff. Whatever you want to call it. That pretty much makes up music. 
is strings, it's wind, it's percussion. That pretty much explains music in general. It's quick. Satan had all three built within him. I'm wrapping up in one minute. Listen very closely right now. He had all three of those wrapped up within him. He had all three. The pipes were in him. The wind. He had the strings that made the sound. The percussion. He had all three built within him. And it, it got his attention. Instead of elevating God for worship, it, it elevated him. He saw, I'm one cool dude, man. Like I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. I'm really, I'm sweet, man. I mean, like I can play the blues like nobody. Where do you think a lot of this new, different kind of music and stuff came out of? He he knows how to twist stuff to make it appealing. So what did God do? God said, you're out, Jack. Michael's still fighting people. He's cool. Leave him alone. Gabriel's still bringing words to people. He's awesome. What are we going to do about this? So God said, I will make man. And this is what he did for you. He gave within you those same three abilities. First of all, whether you sing on key or not, you have vocal cords. And I know this only because talking to people about that are really smart with this stuff. They'll tell you about your vocal cords. They're basically like this on the inside, right here. Strings. And when you talk like I'm doing right now, it's, it's the vibrations that's happening right now. That's vocal cords. And then you also have percussion. I do. Where's my drumsticks? Okay, some of y'all don't do that on but you got. It's okay. It's cool. It's okay. Nobody can hear it anyway. That's why we do what we do, right? It's all right. And then you have wind that comes from your lungs. We sing a song sometimes that talks about the air that I breathe. It's the air. What is the air for in your lungs? Well, I'm breathing in oxygen, express carbon dioxide, by a carbon footprint. That's not why you're breathing. We breathe to worship God. And whether you can sing or you can't sing, you can vocalize through strings in your mouth. You can push wind out your you know, lungs, and you can do beat whatever. I'm telling you, you have all three built within you. And you take the place now of the one that fell because God created you to worship. And so forget about Lucifer. God looked out and said, I'm going to have me about a couple of billion people. They don't worship because they have to. I'm going to give them the creative ability to worship and let them choose to come before me and worship me. Not because they have to, because they want to. So in your life, my question is, what has your worship? I know for me sometimes, listen, as a pastor, I have to check this. Am I really, am I really intent on my worship with God right now or has something else had my attention? And if we're all honest with each other, I think we all do that from time to time. That's why we worship, to set our minds back on God. When we sing in here, it gets my mind focused back, my heart back on Jesus. That's right. Because of that cross, man, I'm worshiping you today, Jesus. Because of that cross, thank you, Jesus. It resets everything. So this morning, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to ask you a question. God made you very uniquely, uniquely designed you in this way. 
all types of your life is in three parts. You have a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. You think about that, your soul is made up of your mind, will, and emotions. God uses all kind of parts. Like the Trinity is everywhere in a sense, not in the divinity sense, but I'm talking about more or less the, the idea that God made you just like him. <clears throat> Isn't it funny how he gave you those three areas of worship, or the musical ability as well, to bring to him as a sacrifice of worship. That's why he calls it in Hebrews, he says, let us therefore now offer up the sacrifice of worship. Because you're not commanded, you, he can't make you, he can only suggest to you that you worship. So this morning you have an opportunity to do that. If there's anything that has your attention, anything that has your ideas, anything that's out of sorts this morning, man, I'll tell you what, right now is a good time to say, Jesus, I, re- I surrender everything again, and I'm going to bring that worship. God, you gave me the position to bring worship to the kingdom again. Like, wow, what an amazing responsibility, but what an amazing opportunity as well to step into a role that was created for an archangel. And God said, man, I'm, I'm accepting your worship now. I redeemed you so that you can worship me now. So I'm going to pray for you right now. If there's anybody here, you say, hey, Pastor Jody, I'm not so sure that I know Jesus. I don't feel like I can worship God because something in my life. Friend, can I just tell you this this morning? That is the enemy. Why do you think he wants to stop people from worship? Because he still wants it for himself. If Jesus said he forgave you and redeemed you, you can worship and sing and rejoice again in God. Do not let the enemy steal worship from you. That's all he wants to do. So you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus. I need to know him. I need to pray today to receive Christ. If that's you, with your eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to pray for you. Everybody in this church is going to pray this prayer. You repeat this after me along with everybody else in this room. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today. I give you my heart and I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you, forgive me, redeem me, and set me free. Lord Jesus, I will give you the worship that you deserve. I will sing. I will clap my hands. I will rejoice in your name. Father, I thank you for being my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, you prayed that prayer. We're so proud of you. Right, church? Come on, give me a hand with you.